Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. here in Detroit, Michigan, home of the studio of this Beatles-based radio program, only a cover song. I'm your host, Dan Augustine. Opening today's show, it was George Harrison with Miss Odell. The inspiration for that song was Chris Odell, a former Apple Records employee and assistant to the Beatles. And after the breakup of the Beatles, she continued to work for both George and Ringo, as well as other bands and musicians like the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Santana, Linda Ronstadt, and many others. I could tell you the story of Chris Odell because I have read her autobiography, Miss Odell, or I could just have her tell you her story herself. 
I read your book, Miss Odell, and liked the opening chapter where you talked about meeting Derek Taylor, which eventually led to meeting Peter Asher, which eventually led to you moving to England to work for Apple Records. Can you walk my listeners through that whole experience? Well, I was living in Los Angeles. I'd moved from Tucson. I was 20 years old at the time. I met Derek through a mutual friend that we had, who we worked with at A&M Records. And during that time, when Derek and I met, we just sort of hit it off and became friends. And it was he that actually suggested that I come over to London because they were just starting Apple Records at that time, or Apple Core Limited, really. And Derek was coming back from Los Angeles to work for them. So I said, that's a crazy idea, and I'll probably never do that. But in fact, I did, with a little prompting from him and a little support from friends at the time. I made the decision to go ahead and go to London and see if anything came of it. So before you began working at Apple Records, was that something you wanted to do? I mean, be in the entertainment industry, or did you just fall into it? Well, I went to Los Angeles. And it just so happened that when I went there and I was looking for a job, I got a job at a record company. And from there, I got a job at another firm that did a newsletter. Back then, they had newsletters that directed radio stations on what new releases to play, basically. And that's how I met the promotion man from A&R who introduced me to Derek. So you were working in the music industry prior to starting at Apple because your book starts out with you getting a phone call to meet Derek. So now I'm curious as to what you were doing in the music industry prior to Apple Records. You know, I love music and it was just by chance that someone said to me, oh, there's an opening at a record company called Dot Records. That introduced me to other people. It, that's kind of how it all worked. You know, you know someone who introduces you to someone and that kind of sets you on your path. Back then, that's how it worked. So you started at Dot Records? That wasn't exactly a rock and roll label. Lawrence Welk and Liberace were both signed to that label. It was okay. I mean, I didn't mind working there. Lawrence Welk's son was my boss, <laughs> Larry Welk Jr. And, um, mm. you know, it was okay. It was, it was a good introduction to the music business back way back in those days. Imagine that, to go from working for Lawrence Welk to working for the Beatles. Then again, it would all come full circle in 1969 when Lawrence Welk and his orchestra covered the Beatles, Hey Jude.
tell me a little bit about being one of the lucky few who got to sit in on some of the Beatles recording sessions. You know, it was totally by happenstance, and I think mostly because I was American, and back in those days, people didn't travel as much as they do now. But it was just nice that people were so nice that they said, yeah, come on in. One of John Lennon's friends, actually, is the one that took me inside the first time. And I ended up clapping on one record. We think it was Revolution Number 9 or Revolution. I'm not sure. I booked sessions when I eventually got a job with Peter Asher. Part of my job was booking the studio at Trident Studios, not Abbey Road. That was done separately by the Beatles. But then the Beatles started using Trident. So I was booking Trident for all of the Apple artists and then eventually including the Beatles. So I was a young woman in a foreign country who didn't have very many friends and didn't know many people. So I spent the evenings at the recording studios. I knew what was going on. I was part of putting it together. And through that experience, I met a lot of people, including Joe Cocker. Well, actually, I guess I met Eric Clapton in a studio too. And with the Beatles, I sang on the chorus of Hey Jude. I was there the night they recorded that part. So I experienced a lot of pretty wonderful moments. James Taylor's first album was made there, and I was there for nearly all of his sessions. So that was my whole life at that point, going to the studio. You were also on the roof for the Beatles' last public performance. I previously interviewed Ken Mansfield about this. I'd like to hear your version of how it all went. It was really cold, and I had on a coat. Actually, there was one sitting place on the roof, and it was right below the chimney stack. There was actually a bench there. I went up first and I got the seat closest to the edge of the roof. And then Ken came and he sat next to me. And then Maureen Starkey came and she sat next to him. And then Yoko came and she sat next to Maureen. And that was it. We had the only seats for the roof concert. That was it. And now here's one from the roof. Not to do. 
Beatles with One After 909. Let's get back to Chris O'Dell as she tells us more about being with the Beatles up on the roof. That's so funny. Here you are on the roof for the Beatles' last public performance, and all you can remember is it was really cold. Isn't that interesting? I couldn't even tell you what songs they played. (laughs) Not to be blasé, but, you know, they were recording in the studio downstairs. So, you know, it wasn't like we had never heard them play before. I can speak for me. I knew it was a pretty special time because in my mind, what they were going to do is they were going to, the whole West End of London, was going to be able to hear the Beatles live, which no one had heard for quite a while. You know, not realizing until we got up there that their amps were not that big and that you really couldn't hear them all over the West End, which it was my whole idea. The whole end of West End of London would be just Beatle music, but it wasn't. Um, and I enjoyed watching the people kind of going like, where's that coming from? and staring up at the roof or climbing out of windows from other buildings. I mean, that was also a part of the event. You know, at least it was for some of us. And the music, well, it was the Beatles on the roof, who were very cold. Ooh, she's so cold.
Sean Stones with She's So Cold. Crystal Dale will tell us a little bit about one of her experiences touring with the Rolling Stones coming up later in the program. Come on, everybody, let's go to Blazos for the happiest food in town. Yes, everybody goes to Blazos these days because Blazos Country Cousin Double Decker is the biggest, tastiest hamburger you'll ever eat. You try it with golden fries and a shake and you'll be a hero with your date. For car service, carryouts, or coffee stops, go to Blazos for the happiest food in town. Blazos, three locations in Dearborn, Michigan near Telegraph, Michigan at Miller Road, and on Ford Road just east of Otter Drive. Like man, it's happy day for the happiest food in town. Look at those trees. How lovely they look reflected in the sunlight. Barnabas, I love to be with you. You have a way of looking at things. As if they were completely new to you. You've never seen them before. Some people live in boxes all their lives. You know, I feel I'm beginning a whole new life. And you're responsible for that life. I can't tell you how exciting it is to be with you. Barnabas Collins, vampire, takes a bride in a bizarre act of unnatural love. <coughs> House of Dark Shadows from MGM. Come see how the vampires do it. Rated GP, all ages, parental guidance. You can work up a thirst a hundred different ways. You can get it washing windows or walking the dog, going to the shop, barbecuing a chop. Getting a thirst doesn't take any special talent. It can happen to anyone. Matter of fact, I've got it now. A hard-earned thirst needs a big cold beer. And the best cold beer is Vic. Victoria Bitter. Hello and welcome back to the Miss Odell episode of Only a Cover Song. Let's get right back to my interview with Chris Odell. Which Beatle did you feel closest to and most comfortable with and why? Well, obviously George, because I got to know him. We're Pisces. Both of us are Pisces and pretty much similar sense of humor. I don't know. We just sort of gravitated toward each other. And I went on and lived with he and Patty at Friar Park. When they moved into their new house, he asked if I would come and live there, and I went and lived with them. So he and Patty were like my brother and sister. I mean, it was family. And he remained like that for me, you know, for years, probably until he passed, although I didn't speak to him that much in the last few years. And then eventually Ringo and I got to become better friends. But, I mean, all of them were there, and, and we all interacted with every one of them. That was just part of our daily life. Being such good friends with Patty helped you get close to George, too, I would imagine. Well, I got to know Patty through George. I knew George better. In fact, the night that he asked me if I wanted to come live there, I was in London at Doris Troy's house, and he phoned and said, would you like to come and live at Fire Park? It's really big, and we need some people to help around. Do you want to come and help? When we finally drove up to the house, I'm not even sure Patty knew I was coming. (laughs) So I, you know, almost... Through the situation, we became friends. But it was very clear 
early on that we really got along well, and, and we've remained friends to this day. You mentioned earlier about how you and George are Pisces. My daughter is as well. Yeah. One of the special people, and Patty. I did okay, a so... Stones tour in 72, and I actually spent the time to find out who every, and there were over 100 people on the tour, what sign everyone was, and the majority were Pisces. I mean, I got everybody's sign. Which stones are Pisces? Oh, God. I don't know that any of the stones are. Oh, okay. probably more the people working with them. Actually, one of the stones was a Pisces. That would be Brian Jones. Of course, by the time Chris O'Dell got involved with the Rolling Stones, Brian Jones had already passed away. Just for the record, the zodiac signs of the other Rolling Stones are Mick Jagger, Leo, Keith Richards, Sagittarius, Bill Wyman, Scorpio, Mick Taylor, Capricorn, and Charlie Watts and Ronnie Wood are both Geminis. And as long as we are on the subject of the Rolling Stones and the Zodiac, here they are with one called Child of the Moon, which is another name for those born under the sign of Cancer. Rocky Road 
The Rolling Stones with a song for those born under the sign of Cancer, Child of the Moon. Now here's one for someone born under the sign of Pisces. In fact, it's a song about the lady I'm interviewing today, Chris O'Dell, and it's called Pisces Apple Lady. Here is Leon Russell. What was your initial reaction when you heard some of the songs written for you, like Miss Odell and Pisces Apple Lady? Well, Pisces Apple Lady, which Leon Russell did, Leon wrote that song, and I heard it for the first time in the studio when I went, because he was leaving, and I went over to the studio to say goodbye. I had gone out with him once, I think. And so that's how I heard it. And I was think I was like, whoa, am I hearing that right? <laughs> and I guess it was. He came in from the studio and said, how'd you like your song or the song I wrote for you? And, and so that was the first song anyone had ever written for me. But that song had a whole different meaning to it because it was his way of letting me know how he felt about me because he didn't feel I was feeling the same way. So it was really more of a love song even though it doesn't sound like as much a love song. And he did eventually write a song called Hummingbird for me, which I thought a much more beautiful song. 
I think B.B. King did it, covered it. B.B. King did cover it, and here's his version now.
Let's get back to my interview with Chris O'Dell and hear about her initial response to hearing the George Harrison song that opened today's episode of Only a Cover Song, Miss O'Dell. And then George, as far as Miss O'Dell, he was in Los Angeles and kept asking me to come to the beach house he was staying at in Malibu to see him. And for various reasons, I didn't go. You know, part of it, I thought, oh, if I go out there, there are all these people who hang off, hang around with George and it's really not fun. And Patty wasn't there. So I didn't go. And finally, after I don't know how many times of him calling and saying, are you coming out? I decided, okay, I'll go out. And I got there and it was just him. And we sat and we had dinner. And then he said, oh, I've got a present for you. And I thought, whoa. And he came back with his guitar and he started playing Miss Odell, which was, in fact, more about Bangladesh. (laughs) So Miss Odell by George Harrison was more about Bangladesh than about Chris Odell. No surprise there. George really sympathized with the people of Bangladesh and expressed it in other songs as well, such as one called Bangladesh, covered here by Blue Swede's frontman Bjorn Seifs. A friend came to me, sadness in his eyes. Told me that he wanted help for his country died. Although I couldn't feel the pain, I knew I had to try. Now I'm asking all of you to help us save some.
The most frightening thing about this house, and others like it, is that they can go unsold for six months, eight months, even a year, haunting their owners with a financial nightmare. That's why ERA Real Estate developed the seller's security plan. And if you qualify, we'll assure you that if we don't sell your home, we'll buy it. The seller's security plan, another reason we're selling houses. Yeah, is that Sandra Ann laying there in front of the store letting cars run over it? You're right. And that's just one more way that Wilcoxon and Sons and Kennett prove that Sandran is the floor covering that lasts three to five times longer than old-fashioned linoleum. You see, ladies, for this special Sandran day, Wilcoxon and Sons is displaying over 20 different patterns of genuine Sandran. On Sandran Day, Friday, July 10th, at Wilcoxon and Sons in Kennett. It's the store with Sandran Stagecoach in front. Sight we care. Hello, America. Greetings from the crown. I'd like to compliment each listener to this wireless on your good taste. Word has reached us that you and America, too, have discovered cast potato chips, which have established themselves as the empire's number one taste treat. Hello, Andy. Welcome back to the Miss O'Dell episode of Only a Cover Song. Let's get right back to my interview with Chris O'Dell. Do you have a favorite Beatles album and song? Yes, Miss O'Dell. <laughs> By George Harrison. <laughs> no, okay. I have to say that. That's George Solo. What would you say was your favorite Beatles song? I was teasing, but in actual fact, it's really hard to say which was my favorite because there were just so many good good songs at that time by each of them. So, you know, I don't know if I could say that, if I could actually answer that. I think I I started off as a Beatles fan when mm. I was living in Tucson as a teenager. And from their very first album on, I was, just loved them. So, you know, there are songs that I love. John always seemed to do more haunting songs and it had a different feel to it. And, and I thought that was really wonderful, and George's voice was just so different. I mean, so spiritual, and it just seemed to be there. I, I don't know that spiritual was the word they would have used to describe it, but that's how I do, because I, I knew him enough to know that. And you can't say anything bad about anyone. They were the best. Are you still involved in the music business? I see you toured as recently as 2006 with Linda Ronstadt. Actually, I toured with her. I had worked with her in the 80s. And she's from Tucson, although we didn't know each other at the time here when we lived here. We reconnected here. And so she was going on tour and she called and asked me twice, actually, if I would go on tour with her. And the first time I said no, because I was working as a therapist. I was finishing my master's degree and everything, and it was just not a good time. The second time she asked me, I actually had finished my master's degree. And I was just kind of waiting for that to come through. And I was still working as a therapist. So I decided, yeah, it's a good break. I've worked hard on all of this, so it'd be a good break. Just go with her. So I did. I think I did two tours with her, one of the East and one of the West Coast. And now here's one by Linda Ronstadt, a cover of a song written by Willie Nelson, but best associated with Patsy Cline. This is Crazy. I'm crazy, crazy for feeling so lonely. For feeling blue 
Linda Ronstadt with Crazy, which leads me to my next question for Chris O'Dell, a question about her career as a therapist. And I know that's not nice. The preferred term is mental illness. I just couldn't find any songs by Linda Ronstadt called Mental Illness. So you're a therapist now. I, well, I'm retired now. I'm just enjoying life. Not that uh, I didn't enjoy it before. <laughs> what kind of therapy did you do? Um... I was doing a lot of addiction and mental health counseling. That was predominantly, I worked in treatment centers here in Tucson. So I did that for about 20 years. So once I gave up, you know, once I didn't do the rock and roll, I had a son with my ex-husband and ended up back in Tucson. I wanted to raise him here. So 
I decided to be a therapist. That's great. Let's wrap up this interview now with some of your memories of Bob Dylan, Santana, Earth, Wind & Fire, and Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, all bands you got to tour with. Who are the coolest, most down-to-earth people in the music industry that you've worked with and or met? Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young was the hardest tour, only because it was a reunion tour in 1974. And... You know, it was a difficult time for them. And yet I knew each of them, especially knew David, Stephen, and Graham. And they were just really nice guys. But on that tour, it wasn't that easy. It was really difficult. The Dylan tour surprised me. I was very tired because i just come from Europe from the Santana tour. And it surprised me because I really liked Bob. I was not a Dylan fan, but the Beatles were. So through their eyes, I, you know, I had a lot of respect for him. And I thought yeah. touring with him was a lot of fun. And I toured with George on his tour, his uh, solo tour. The one and only tour George did? The one and only. And every one of them I enjoyed. They were just all different. And there you have it. An interview with someone who was there when it was all happening. From starting at Dot Records to moving on to Apple Records to becoming close to the Beatles, close enough to move in with George Harrison and his wife Patty, to being an assistant to many, many others in the music industry. Chris O'Dell. Thank you, Chris, for giving us the time and sharing some of your stories with us. Okay, thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. <laughs> to close out today's episode, here are some tunes by some of the groups Chris O'Dell worked with. But before I drop the needle onto the record groove, a quick reminder that you can find Only A Cover Song online at facebook.com slash onlyacoversong or by doing a search for Only A Cover Song at tunein.com or iheartradio.com. And of course, there is the official site for Only A Cover Song, onlyacoversong.com. And please check the links page because I will be adding a link to missodell.com where you can go to order Chris Odell's book, Miss Odell. And now, here's some music for ya. Blackbird singing in the Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes learn to see all your life you were only waiting for this moment to be free blackbird fly blackbird fly into the light of the dark black Broken.
waiting for this moment to arise You were only waiting for this moment to arise You were only waiting for this moment to Santana with Shades of Time. Before that was Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young covering the Beatles tune Blackbird. That will do it for today's episode of Only a Cover Song. Thanks for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.